Hey everybody, this is Ray Telch, and this is Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. And a wise man once said, some days you get the bear, some days the bear gets you, and this is definitely one of those weeks where the bear has been getting me. But as another wise man once said, we keep moving forward opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. So we'll keep moving forward on this podcast. What the heck am I talking about? Uh, I don't have a movie for you this week. I don't have a movie for me this week through a series of scheduling conflicts and trials and tribulations and crises and whatever else you want to throw in. I wasn't able to get a interview recorded this week. So this is the second time in the nine episodes so far that I've recorded that uh, my my guest for the week has fallen through and I've lost my buffer as far as working a couple of weeks ahead like I would like to be doing. And so I don't have a discussion to put up for this week's show, which is really disappointing to me. I don't blame anyone, it's just life. That's how things work sometimes. But it's disappointing to not even have gotten to episode 10 before I had to do what I'm doing this week, which is pulling up some of the past. And this is not the first time it happened, as I said. You know, I've I've recorded nine episodes, but I've watched 12 movies. So there's actually three movies in my notebook that I've sat down and taken notes on and gotten ready to record and and not gotten to record yet. So the the disappointment for me is that that's time that I could have been doing something else, getting another movie prepared because I do have a list of potential guests to be working on, but I'm really hoping that the movie that we were supposed to be listening to this week uh doesn't fall through the cracks like others have and that I'll still be able to bring that on the show next week or the week after that or something. So we'll see. Um, and I do have a list of guests, but I could always use more. So if you're interested in being a guest, you know, drop me a line. Have not seen this at gmail.com or on social media. Have not seen this on Twitter or have not seen this podcast on Facebook. And tell me what movie you'd like to discuss. And, and I'd love to get more guests lined up, especially not white males. No offense to my own kind there, but I seem to have an abundance of that and would like to get some diversity in. If you listen to the first couple episodes, you'll notice that I alternated between women and men, and uh, I'd like to continue being able to do some diversification there. But I got to go with what I get. So so this week I'm pulling from the archive a bit, and I, that's kind of funny to say because I only have nine episodes out so far. But uh, instead of pulling from those nine episodes, which I think would be a little ridiculous, I decided to go back to the old show to the Weekly Blend audio show, which had over 300 episodes, and pull an episode from there to discuss. And I couldn't think of a better episode to pull than our interview from October 2008 with Kevin Smith. He joined us for an interview and then stayed on to do the regular show. So this is an example of what that show was like, which is very different in format than this show. This show is about talking about one movie. And in that show, we talked about box office and we talked about releases. And it's really an interesting snapshot in history to go back to 2008 because of some of the things that we talk about. Some of the movies that we talk about coming out, I don't think I've heard of 
again since 2008. And it's interesting what movies fall through the cracks. And then what's interesting also is the movies that we're talking about. Iron Man is getting ready to come out on Blu-ray, and there's no hint of what an epic thing the Marvel Cinematic Universe would become at that point. But obviously, that that's a huge deal. The Dark Knight is referenced at one point, and Batman Begins, and, and how incredible those movies were, and the influence that they've had. Uh, we discussed Watchmen at one point, which is really interesting because... We have a Watchmen series going on on HBO right now, which is really good, folks. If you have access to HBO and you haven't checked it out yet, episode three of that series gave me the same feeling I had back when I read the original graphic novel, you know, 20 years ago. It's an amazingly put together miniseries, and I'm looking forward to more episodes, and I'm I'm hoping that they'll do more with it because it's it's a great example of television. And speaking of that, you know, I open with a Walt Disney quote there, and Disney Plus came out this week, and it's also a great thing to check out, especially The Mandalorian, which if you're hearing this and you're a fan of Disney, you've probably already seen, and I, I love it. I'm having a field day with it. My biggest disappointment uh, with The Mandalorian is the internet, and that's because, you know, Disney Plus came out last week on, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I didn't get to see my girlfriend until Sunday, and by then she had already had a big plot element of the Mandalorian spoiled just because she's on, you know, Facebook and Tumblr and Reddit. And I, I wish we as a society would do a little bit better about those kinds of spoilers. We did a fantastic job with Endgame at the behest of the filmmakers, but we can't seem to pay other storytellers the same respect. And I was disappointed that she had had that spoiled, but that that's neither here nor there. Before we get to this episode, this blast from the past, let's look at our Friday inquiry from this past week. Uh, last week, we talked about Boy from Taika Waititi, who also is in the first episode of The Mandalorian. And if you didn't catch that, you should go back and see if you can pick him out or, you know, check IMDb. Uh, but be because of that movie, uh, we talked several times about James Rollinstone's fantastic performance in that. Uh, my question of the week was, what was a child actor's performance that amazed you? Uh, James Rodriguez, who brought us boy, chimed in on the subject anyway and said Brooklyn Prince in The Florida Project. Kat Milner said Natalie Portman in Leon the Professional. Thomas Mariani chimed in with Jacob Tem Tremblay in Room. James Jackson said Noah Hathaway as Atreyu in The NeverEnding Story. Luis Ramirez said Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver. Tony Jackson said the kid actor did a good job in Jojo Rabbit, but everything about that movie amazed me. Another Taika Waititi film. And Marissa Talent chimed in with Joaquin Phoenix in Parenthood, which I didn't even realize he was in that. It's been so long since I've seen Parenthood. I didn't realize that that's Joaquin Phoenix in that. Uh, some of these other picks are fantastic. Natalie Portman and Leon the Professional, Jacob Tremblay in Room, uh, Noah Hathaway in, as Atreyu. I, I had the benefit a couple years ago of seeing Noah Hathaway at his very first ever con appearance. And he's an amazing guy and just very humble and not a celebrity in any regard. So he was not expecting the huge fan uh, love for what he had done as a kid. An amazing thing to see. So I always post inquiries on Friday on social media. Chime in. Let me know what you think. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Have Not Seen This and on Facebook at Have Not Seen This Podcast. And here we go with the Kevin Smith episode of 
Weekly Blend audio show from October 2008. And if you think this is a bad idea and I shouldn't do this again, drop me a line. Let me know. If you'd like to hear more from the archives, drop me a line. Let me know. Either way, you know, hey, I'm always open for conversations. So here we go. Kevin Smith, October 2008, the Weekly Blend audio show. Hey, everybody, this is Rafe Telsh here with your CinemaBlend.com Weekly Blend audio show for the week of September 21st, 2008. And with me in the studio, as always, the queen of the podcast, co-host extraordinaire, Margaret Williams. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And sometimes Tim comes on time, and sometimes he runs a few minutes late, but you're here. That's true, and there's no way I was going to miss this show. Yes, no no way you were going to miss this show. Not and a that's, chance. We, we mentioned last week um, that we were looking forward to having a special guest on this week, and thankfully the stars have aligned, and we are all here, and joining us via Skype... Is me! Not Margaret. Oh. <laughs> joining us via Skype is filmmaker, a man who needs no introduction, Kevin Smith. Hello, folks. How are you? Hey, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Now, uh, just to cover real quick, I've always said that if we could get Kevin Smith on the show, we would. I would not hold him to the same standard that I hold Tim and Margaret to. So with that warning, this is going to be potentially an explicit language show. If you aren't cool with that, stop listening now. <laughs> so I will, try to, I will try to keep it um, into... I guess Jersey Girl Country. <laughs> country. Well, you don't have to. He just said, you know. <laughs> That's right. We've we've warned people, so don't worry about it. Um, Kevin, you're promoting Zach and Miri make a porno, which I've fully enjoyed. When I got the chance to see it, um, I know when I saw it, you had only shown it to a couple of audiences. Uh, those were just testing audiences, if I remember correctly. But now it's shown at Toronto. It's shown at Fantastic Fest. How, how's it going? Um, it's it's going better than I ever expected. It's um, the reception has been warm and and wonderful, and the reviews have been really positive. You know, the weird thing about the reviews is how many reviews talk about the the business prospects that the film has in front of it, which I've, I haven't. I don't know. I never had on many of the reviews. What do you mean by uh, business prospects? Uh, people just keep talking about like strong box office, strong box office, and I don't necessarily believe it, but we'll see what happens. But I, I just thought it was. Noteworthy that there were more than a few reviews that singled out its box office prospects, which I, I don't know. I, you expect in the trade reviews, like Hollywood Reporter or Variety, but like even in Roger Ebert's review, he mentioned how the film might do theatrically at the box office. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Um, now, I, this is not exactly you know new territory for you, but you've had some controversy going with the film. Obviously, you had to resubmit it a couple of times for a review and then even had to appeal the review that you got. Um, and and then now the deal with the poster where you put together the poster that you know was was banned as well. You know what's that side of things like for you? I mean, is this just status quo for you, or is this a fight you're just you're kind of getting tired of having to fight these fights, or or what? I mean, we kind of knew going into it with a with a title like Zach and Mary Make a Porno that we were going to come under closer scrutiny by the NBA than we had even in the past, and um, so. We were not altogether unprepared, but at the same time, it's kind of gone to ridiculous lengths. I mean, the poster is this perfect proof of that. It's evidence of the fact that we kind of submitted a few times, and they kept kicking it back. So until finally, the only way we can come up with a poster was to make fun of the fact that we couldn't come up with an approvable poster. Which... So we went with stick figures instead, and and even that winds up like people wind up really 
embracing it and being like, wow, that's original and funny. And I'm like, it just feels like all the stars are lining up for this movie, which is nice. Yeah, we we talked about the poster on last week's show, and I absolutely loved what you came up with. Yeah, brilliant. It's so strange. I mean, I I remember when we were, when we right before we kind of released it, I was just like, you know, it's a shame because people seem to be really digging the movie, and now they're going to start picking on the poster, and and they embraced the poster. I, I was can't figure it out on this flick. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that Seth's stick figure looks exactly like Seth. <laughs> it does. It's so convincing. You know, it's like you, you put it up there and people, without a name, people go like, that's Seth. It's kind of interesting. Does that mean that Zack and Mary 2 is going to be just stick figures? At this uh, point, yeah. Who needs okay. the now? <laughs> and I could approximate Seth's voice. I just need to add a uh, 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 at the end of everything. <laughs> it could work out. I saw Seth several times at Comic Con. You're not kidding. He does kind of end every sentence that way, doesn't he? It's all the plot. yeah. That show, that little nervous chuckle of his, man, is it's. Um, I mean, it's certainly not an affectation. It's just involuntary, but. It's 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 um, catchy, makes you laugh. <laughs> um, the new territory for you. I mean, you've got a couple of of your regulars coming back. Jeff Anderson and uh, Jason Mewes put in uh, appearances in Zack and Mary, but you've put together a really almost mainstream type cast between you know Seth Rogen, who's you know really risen to heights with uh, Judd Apto's films, and Elizabeth Banks. I mean, you're putting her in a in a porno movie a month between her playing the president's wife. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, um, uh, Oliver Stone put her in a presidential movie two weeks before she was in a porno. We were first. That's and, true. And when when the movie wrapped, she called me. Well, she texted me actually like a week after, maybe two weeks after we wrapped, and she goes, "I'm playing Laura Bush!" with exclamation points. And you know, I was like, "Wow!" From one flick about Bush to another flick about Bush. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes sense. And Seth, like, when I started writing it, I was writing it for the guy who had a supporting role in um, 40-Year-Old Virgin by the time I finished writing it and got it to him about two weeks before Knocked Up came out and suddenly that dude blew up into a movie star. Um, so it was nice for us, but it wasn't like the plan. It wasn't like, let's get this dude, he'll be huge. It was, I was like, I'm going to write it for this guy because I just think he's funny. <laughs> Which he is. I mean, he's he's hilarious. And, yeah. I, and I I totally, you know, I've already done an audio review of Zach and Miri on the show, but I totally dug him in, in your movie. It's just, he, uh, he, he plays that part well. And, and I, you know, I know you hate hearing this put this way before the movie came out because you, you bashed on Elizabeth at Comic-Con for putting it that way, but it is a sweet film. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, there's no avoiding it. So many people have been like, it's so sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is, it's crude, it is, it's raunchy, but it is a sweet story at, this, at its heart, and that's, I mean, I've always that's admired life. that. Yeah. So I've yeah, always... it kind of works on... I don't know, it works on, I, you know, it was always intended to be somewhat sweet, but I just, I'm always surprised by... I mean, look, Jersey Girl was intended to be sweet and everybody was like you asshole <laughs> this is too fucking sweet it's saccharine sweet and so ever since then you know I'm kind of nervous about anybody being like oh it's sweet but um I don't know I guess the the ratio or the combination of of, of raunch and, and sweetness is what kind of people embrace uh, about Zack and Mary it's it's um, equal parts I guess as opposed to Jersey Girl which seemed a little more weighted and and in favor of a sweet and low factor. Gotcha. Now you you've uh, you know over the last couple of years I've heard you almost bash on Jersey Girl some just because of the the poor reception it got and and such. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a fan of that one still. Uh, yeah, I, I like know there that are, movie too. I know there are quite a bit of fans. Is there any chance that you will return to that kind of territory where it's not the raunch comedy as much as you do get a really, you know, emotionally solid picture? Yeah, maybe. I, and, and maybe and Zach and Mary was helpful in approaching the next one in terms of evening it out a bit more. I, I don't know. But I, I always feel like we couldn't have gotten to Zach and Mary without doing Jersey Girl. And it, it, it kind of... The one flick informs the other. I mean, it's terrifying to bring up that comparison just because people will be like, well, now I ain't going. But <laughs> it, it really does kind of work. Let me ask you this. Has anyone seen Speed Racer? Uh, Tim's a big I fan have. of it, actually. Or, uh, I just watched this shit on Blu-ray this morning. My God. I, thought, I mean, they took such heat for it, but like it was incredibly imaginative and shot really well. Visually stunning. stunning. Visually stunning. And I watched it on a big 103-inch television on Blu-ray, and boy, it was... I mean, maybe it was the right way to watch it because I could pause it and walk around. And I have TV envy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, it's a pretty big TV. I mean, I watched, but um, it, it was I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I watched it on. I just have a 42 inch, you know, 1080p Blu-ray, but it still looked brilliant. I, I liked it. Yeah, I've got yeah, the Blu-ray. I, I, I just didn't understand why people went after it so hard. I think it's just because people. You know, expectations of the Wachowskis or Wachowskis, however you pronounce it. I think yeah. it's just their expectations are high because, you know, I mean, hell, they got credit for v for Vendetta and it wasn't their picture. You know, yeah. they, they produced right. it. So I think people's just, you know, they associate these big pictures with their names and, and Speed Racer went on a different course and it's not what people wanted. I mean, I guess those people were uptight about the fact that it was a kid's movie. Yeah. Because ultimately that's what it is. But... I don't know. I was never bored. I thought, you know, the performances were what they needed to be for this type of material, an adaptation of a cartoon. But, you know, the racing sequences were kind of breathtaking and imaginative and all those tracks the same way. I, I don't know. I, mean, I was not disappointed. Cool. Maybe because everyone had lowered my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> that certainly so happens. I, into, I mean, my kid was going like, you're going to love this. And my kid likes something, I usually bet the other way. But um, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Well, one last question, and then we'll move to our regular format of the show. Um, you've got several projects kind of on the horizon that you're juggling, and little tidbits pop up here and there about you know Red State and a possible Ranger Danger movie and that kind of stuff. W what can you tell us about uh, about the future? Um, Red State's the one we're trying to find money for, which has been um, difficult. Bob and Harvey, uh, for the first time in the history of our careers, has said no to it. Um, so we were able to take it out into the world, and it's uh, it hasn't gotten an amazing reception out there either. I mean, <laughs> it's it's decidedly non-commercial. It's really fucking bleak and dark. So so bleak that it makes the Dark Knight look like strawberry shortcake. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, there's no character to root for. Everybody dies. It's a series of insane bad choices based on moral quandaries or immoral quandaries uh, people just you know and based on all that nobody wants to write a check for it and I kind of get it you know? <laughs> it's like I'm not sitting there going what why wouldn't you want to finance a loser <laughs> um, have you thought about adding more sweet <laughs> I know apparently I could take uh, get some sweet to spare from Jersey Girl that I drag over to. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been tough man but that for some reason makes me want to make it all the more um, it oh, just yeah. feels kind of chancy I mean I don't expect it to be a huge hit, but I do expect it to be a real film festival type film that'll travel for a while. And the only way it ever does business theatrically is if there's like some kind of water cooler chat about it based on the festival showings. But I don't know. I, I, for some reason, the fact that everybody's 
kind of um, uh, put off by it. And nobody seems to be put off by the story or the writing of the characters. They're just like, there's no audience for this movie. Like, nobody wants to see a movie this dark. That makes me want to make it so much more for some reason. Gotcha. And for me, it's it's it, it'd be a nice kind of change of pace because I've done comedy after comedy after comedy. And to do a movie that's kind of 180 degrees away from that is um, it's a test of sorts where I get to see if I am truly a filmmaker or just a dick and fart joke guy. And <laughs> no matter how it works out, I think I'd be content. Like, if it does work, I'd be like, wow, who knew it? I am a filmmaker as well. And if it doesn't, I would just be like, all right, back to the dick and salt joke. No, <laughs> dick and fart joke, salt mine. So um, uh, that's that's next. And we're still trying to, to track down some cash for it. And then after that is the the one that's much easier to get made. And that's a the sci-fi comedy I want to do. But it's not Ranger Danger. Everyone keeps saying that. It's not Ranger Danger. Is there a Ranger Danger on the horizon, or is that just a pipe dream that fans have brought up? I think uh, this new thing has kind of replaced it as... as the thing that I want to do. And this is, is sci-fi comedy. This is the sci-fi comedy space movie you talked about at Comic-Con. Uh-huh. Cool. Well, we look forward to finding out more about that. Yeah, as soon as, um, as, soon as I know more, everyone else will know more, because I, I know me, I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> which, which reminds me, seen any good movies lately? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw movies that are coming next year that were great. Watchmen was great. Star Trek was great. Those are the two advanced flicks that I've seen thus far that are totally worth waiting for, and then your expectations, your high expectations will be met, and, man, they're just really wonderful. Fantastic. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the spirit a little later in the show. I know you were on a, a panel or two with uh, Frank Miller at Comic Con. Well, I was definitely on the Entertainment Weekly panel with Frank. At, at, uh, <laughs> yes, you were. I didn't were. get to see anything. I <laughs> didn't get to go to the. Did you go to the Spirit panel? No, I just came to the uh, Entertainment Weekly one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I would was, say he was on the panel, but not on the panel. If you follow me. <laughs> yeah, what was up with that? Like he I'm was not, quite not sure. Paying. He was there, and and he had a uh, he had a very brown looking drink in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Frank at that point had kind of checked out, although he was definitely there to to meet the, the you know, his responsibility of having to be there, but I don't know how present he was. Yeah, he wasn't very. I didn't know if maybe you buddied up with him and got a chance to um, see the spirit. Oh, I definitely not. talked to him backstage and whatnot, and every time he opened his mouth, it was kind of golden, but um, he was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but most know. of the time it was, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which kind of worked, I guess. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to turn from focusing specifically on Kevin to our regular show format, but Kevin's going to stick around and uh, add his two cents in on such. But uh, really appreciate you joining us this week. Not a problem, man. Taking a look at the box office this week, uh, Lakeview Terrace tops the top five, which is the Samuel L. Jackson doing Ray Liotta movie. (laughs) Uh, Good for Neil LeBute. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, what was the last thing he did was the remake of The Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so dear God. you got to imagine he's happy about this. But it's it's still like a a weird leap away from In the Company of Men, no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it, it came in with $15.6 million. Not a terrible box office for this time of year. Not a fantastic one, but... Uh, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Would you? <laughs> 15.6 is a great number. I'd be right there, man. I'd be like, yes, my highest grossing opening to date. <laughs> what What is your highest to date? 
12. 12? Well, that's okay. why 15.6. I'm like, what are you talking? Kill me? That's a fucking killing. <laughs> I love that number. Give me that number. <laughs> we, okay, everybody needs to go see Zach and Mary. Give him 15.6 on opening week. For the love of God, I'm not asking for much. That movie also just came out of nowhere, Lakeview Terrace. One day I looked up, there was a billboard like two weeks ago, it felt like. Yeah. And I was like, there's a Sam Jackson cop movie coming out that looks exactly like a Ray Liotta movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. Burn after reading in second place, uh, 11.3 million. My Best Friend's Girl, another of the new releases this week, in third place, Ugh. which 8.3. Boo on all you people. <laughs> 8.3, it didn't make double digits? No, nah, it didn't make double digits. Igor, or Igor, in fourth place with uh, just over 8 million. And I then, was about there. I was almost going to take the kid to see that yesterday, but... I talked her out of it. It's horrible. I actually heard that it, it's not a bad concept, but that right. it, it kind of makes too many compromises in its execution. I haven't gotten to see it yet. But uh, I heard it's not terrible. It's just not I try to fantastic. steer Zoe's attention away. Like, <laughs> don't look at the preview because we're not going to go. Righteous kill. Yeah, she, was, she was into watching it, but not so much so that she was insanely put off and I was like hey let's watch this instead <laughs> watch something on TV let's, let's do Speed Racer right. yeah <laughs> yeah we actually did start watching Speed Racer yesterday but didn't finish it until today because the movie's about 19 hours long oh. <laughs> it's a really long picture so I was able to be like let's watch this instead and make cupcakes <laughs> Righteous Kill rounds out the top 5 with 7.7 7 million had another new opening that didn't break into the top 5 and that was uh, the one that Tim was looking forward to most yeah. Yeah, Ghost, Ghost Town. Town came in in eighth place with just over five point one million. I still can't remember what that's about. That's the uh, um, Ricky, Ricky Gervais, Gervais. Ricky Gervais oh, flick. I've seen like one trailer for that, and that's it. Reviews haven't been fantastic for it, so I think that's yeah. and I think that's it. Is it? it, it is actually, I think the top reviewed film of all the new releases this week, though, is it has a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, does it? Yeah, I mean, it's not. I, I don't know how high the fresh rating is, but <laughs> of the new releases, it was the only one that was a little tomato, and not a splat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you can, it's hard to it I mean, even that hard against you know even with a splat you know it's it's Samuel L. Jackson and Lakeview Terrace even with a splat totally. what are you going to do you know I and mean, at the end of the day too it's like look we all we all love Ricky Gervais from The Office yeah. but in in a in a certain culture in geek culture and in the net culture he's massive he's a huge celebrity but to the mainstream yeah. most people know the American Office as opposed to the British That's true. Office so yeah I mean maybe it was a decent test of of um, uh, you know where he stands in terms of American moviegoers' minds. I mean, they they probably recognize him from that um, Ben Stiller picture. What was it? That Night at the Museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But to put the dude, force the dude into a leading role this early, might have been a bit premature. And, and you weren't but still kidding. the rating. I mean, the reviews for the movie have been really great. You weren't kidding. Eighty-seven percent fresh at yeah, Rotten I mean, Tomatoes. Me and eighty-seven on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next highest was uh, Lakeview Terrace had a forty-one percent. Igor had a twenty-nine percent. <laughs> so my what best, did my best friend's girl have? Seven. Ha ha. So that was seven, seven too seven. many. Yeah, seven percent. So it's the chimp. <laughs> wow. It's usually the movie I go review. So. <laughs> um, taking a look at what's coming out this weekend. Actually, we're going to look at two weekends because we're not going to have a show next week. I got to take the week off, but uh, so we're going to. Why? Why are you quick. taking the week off? Um, I, I'm in community theater, and I get out of here. Now, what are you doing? I'm uh, I'm playing Eugene in Biloxi Blues. Nice. So and a little Neil Simon. Yeah, a little Neil yeah. Simon. It's been really cool. But uh, next weekend's uh, Sunday's final performance, and we've got strike and you know cast party and that kind of stuff. So. 
It's been... So fuck the podcast is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Apparently. <laughs> Bill Simon calls you answer the fucking call. He's on a community stage. Motherfucker podcast. That's good for you, dude. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. All right, coming up this week at, this weekend, um, Eagle Eye, which I'm yeah, still kind of interested in. I'm from, interested in. From, has anyone this. seen it out of Austin? Uh, it, was screened, it screened a fantastic fest the day after Zach and Mary. I don't know. Josh is based in that area, and uh, I haven't heard anything. I don't know that he made it to Fantastic Fest. Um, so I haven't, I haven't read anything yet about it. I want to see it. Has anyone seen any reviews in the trades? Has anything surfaced yet? I, not that I've nothing. Nothing that sticks out. I didn't notice anything today. Yeah, I, was, I saw something. I saw something yesterday that said it was tracking higher than. Um, what was that picture where the, they threw the monster through the Statue of Liberty head around? Cloverfield. What was it? Cloverfield. Cloverfield, that's right. Somebody, I don't know why they pulled this comparison, but they said it's <laughs> tracking stronger than Cloverfield was. Well, it, Maybe to predict that its opening is going to be pretty damn strong. I mean, you got Shia LaBeouf, you got a Spielberg-produced flick, DJ Crusoe. They've had a lot of luck with Disturbia. They've been buying ads like crazy. It's definitely going to open to, like, I would say minimum 28, if not 35 million. Yeah, there's only three reviews on Rotten Tomatoes right now. One is positive, two are not. And who are the three from? Um, from Emmanuel Levy, uh-huh. Louise Keller, and Andrew L. Urban. Never heard of and them. No trade reviews yet. <laughs> no trade reviews yet, no. Interesting. So. Interesting. Usually reviews, I mean, out of Austin, they usually get at least one trade review, even at a, a fest like Fantastic Fest, which isn't even which isn't even a mainstream festival, but right. generally they always have one of the trade reviewers there. I thought it would be up by now. No, nothing that I've seen yet. I'm still, you know, as I liked Disturbia. I had one small complaint about that movie, but otherwise it was a pretty good flick. Um, so I'm really interested to see what Caruso and LaBeouf can do. Yeah, I thought that flick was watchable. I, yeah. I, I think the cast for Eagle Eye is pretty amazing, too. I mean, Billy Bob's in there, and you got... Uh, Billy Bob's in it? Yeah, isn't he the one doing the interrogation of Shia LaBeouf? Billy Bob is in it, absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 Rosario right. Dawson. Yeah, your girl Rosario. That's right. Love and, her. Uh, and then Michelle Monaghan and Shia LaBeouf, and there's somebody else, too, but... Those are the four that are front and center. It was yeah. a little bit in the trailer, but it's definitely his movie. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. So we got that one coming out this week. We also have Miracle at Saint Anna, which is another one that I'm really kind of digging the trailer for. Yeah, um, this is Spike Lee's latest, and uh, it just looks really good to me. Right. Rotten Tomatoes and see what the critics are saying so far. <laughs> Let me see. I had mm. it open just a second ago. Um, it looks it looks see, good to me, but that's just yeah. not my film. It's got a 33% at uh, Rotten Tomatoes. How many reviews so far? I'm pulling that up right now. Let's see. Uh, reviews counted six. Two fresh, four rotten. And then, who are the four? Um, let's see. The reviews are from Kyle Smith, Mike Goodridge, Marco Ceratos, Emmanuel Levy, Katie Rich with CinemaBlend.com, <gasps> and Katie. Cole Smithy. Huh. So... Katie I've gave seen it a fresh. Some, uh, some TV spots for it on Spike. I mean, I'll always go see a Spike Lee movie. Oh yeah. Um, but the the out of Toronto people were like poo pooing it. No, oh, really. Well, that's not a, to go to. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm not usually one. I like Spike Lee. You know, I recognize his name as a filmmaker, but it's not one that draws me to his pictures. Usually, I'm just not 
I'm not all that keen on seeing what he has to say, but with this one, I don't know why. Like Inside Man, remember Inside Man? I didn't see Inside Man. I really oh wasn't. Oh my god, you I missed mean, a even great. If you're flick. not a Spike Lee fan, that's a totally watchable. All right, flick. add it to my Netflix queue. <laughs> I walked when when I met Kevin to do the uh, the to see. Zach and Miri, I walked away with like eight titles that I had to add to my Netflix queue. <laughs> so. And you still have the same ones here that you yes, did I then. Yes, that's right. right. But I still won't watch them. Like, They've got a little closer, but, but I have I'm not the, committing. But I have the box now, there's, so at least I can watch Dexter on that without oh. having to get the discs, which was one that, that Kevin say, really I was going to say, there's pushed. like a digital check mark online somewhere, but that's the most you've done towards <laughs> watching these movies. Um, Knights and Rodanthe are the, is the third of this week's major releases, and that's Richard. I bet you that movie cleans the fuck up, man. That is a movie that my mother will leave the house to go see. <laughs> oh, really? oh, there you go. And you got to imagine there are a lot of people like my mother. That has like, it's, it has that weird, uh, dirty dancing, we hardly ever go to the movies crowd written all over it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's yeah. Nicholas Sparks, which right there as an author. That's a built-in you know, audience. Yeah, pretty much. And then Richard, Richard Gere, Gere. Which to me Richard turns me Gere away. And, and, and Diane Lane teaming up since the first time since, um, what is it, Infidel, what was it called? Unfaithful. Unfaithful, that's it. Yeah, see, yeah. there's about 16 women that I work with, and they're all like, oh, we should go to the movies. And I'm sitting there going, no, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I really want to go to Eagle Eye. <laughs> Uh, then the following weekend, we have an American Carol, which I talked about uh, on the show last week that the trailer actually kind of intrigued me a little bit. Yeah. That's the latest David Zucker picture with uh, Chris Farley's brother playing mm-hmm. a documentarian a la Michael Moore, who is visited by the Spirits of America to try and make him celebrate the 4th of July. So it's 4th of July instead of Christmas. Mm. But, but it's coming out the in October. I mean, it's like... Good timing. What happened there? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would make sense to put it out around 4th of July. It would make sense yeah, to put it out around Christmas. Like crushed in the summer or something oh, I'm sure. like that. Yeah, because well, Will Smith will so be in something that, then. Now that it seems like conservatives and Republicans have a, have a movie like this. Yeah. Because it seems very anti-Democrat, very... I mean, you know, the, the main character is supposed to be Michael Moore. Entertainment Weekly wrote a really interesting article about it, about how the, uh, the the Hollywood conservatives really are underground. They're like, you know, the underground operation there. It's almost, you know, you have to be afraid of being a Demo- of being a Republican in Hollywood. And, right. and that by bandying together and putting this movie out, they've really kind of outed themselves. And they actually, some of them are expecting there may be repercussions. Oh. Really? Yeah. So we'll see. Like McCain would win. <laughs> Not <right>. that kind <laughs> of repercussion. <laughs> um, and then next weekend just kind of goes. Oh. Well, we know we uh, we also have Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which is getting some decent. Buzz. I want to see is that. that. Is that next weekend? Or that's, weekend after? that's not weekend the coming weekend, but it's uh, October third. Weekend, mm-hmm. um, it's getting some decent buzz. People are saying the problem is that a lot of people are looking for it to be another Juno because it has Michael Cera in it, and it's not. Right. No, no, but, totally but it got a, it got a really great reception, really great screening they had at Toronto, from what I from what I heard. Yeah, it did. Um, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People is the I've latest. Seen two billboards for this movie. I'm, I'm, who's putting it out? Um, it's coming out from MGM, uh-huh. and it stars. Uh, um, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. And Simon of course, Pegg, yeah, the, Megan Fox. And always hot Megan and... Fox. Oh. <laughs> um, so it looks pretty good. I, I haven't think, figured I'm, this I'm one out yet. I'm excited for that one. I think it looks pretty funny. I've seen nothing about that one. And and then we have Flash of Genius, which I honestly can't remember anything about. Neither can I. That is the move, the Greg Kinnear movie about the guy who invented the um, delayed windshield wiper. And see, I'm worried about that one because what? I think if it would be like. You would think something like that would be more Oscar fodder a little later yeah. in the year, 
So it's placement. Well, you would think that they would want to move it a couple more weeks away from the other um, Greg Kinnear movie. Yeah. The one that just came out this week. Ghost, Ghost Town. Town. Yeah. And then Beverly Hills oh. Chihuahua. I don't even that know movie, what to say about this movie. If that movie doesn't make like twenty, a minimum twenty five million opening weekend, I'll eat my hat. I, every kid on the planet wants to see it. Every you better eat that hat, Kevin, because it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> if that movie is happening, the moment the fucking trailer popped up online, my kid was like, "Can we go see Beverly Hills Chihuahua?" Oh. I was like, "You're not my kid." I said, at her. Okay, I you dare ha- you. You have to let me know if you end up taking her to see the movie. I, <laughs> I don't know if I could commit to that one, dude. If I, if I actually, have, if I get dragged in to see it, I might. Do, do a total Laurence Olivier and the jazz singer and just tear my shirt at my kid's throat. <laughs> and not re-embrace her until she does a massive stunning concert with Lucy, Ar- Lucy Arnaz watching. <laughs> really weird, Paul. Really weird reference, but I just watched that movie. Sorry. That's cool. That's, That's cool. an awesome reference. <laughs> um, then also going wide that weekend, um, or wider that weekend, I don't have numbers in front of me, but Appaloosa, which is Ed Harris's western. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got great reviews. Yeah, which, I want to see that got some one. really good buzz. It expands that weekend and blindness, which I'm really psyched for. I just saw the trailer for the first time like a few days ago. Really? I've I was seen like, trailers like for months now. No, it's the first time I'd seen it, and I was blown away. I was like, this looks kind of interesting. What's it about? Yeah, it's um, let's see it. Look it up on Rotten Tomatoes because that played at Cannes in May, and um, then uh, so most of its reviews or a lot of its reviews should be there. Ready? Right? Let me see. What played at Cannes, and then it played again in Toronto months later. That was one of those titles that in Toronto people were saying needed help because the can reception was kind of blah. The the concept is that there's like this epidemic of blindness of people going blind. And so they take the people who are infected and they put them off. You know, they kind of isolate them. But the idea being since they can't... Is it because of the plants? Since they, no, it's not, <laughs> no, it's not M. Night Shyamalan. But the idea being because they can't see, they can be treated worse because, you know, what are they going to do about it? And Julianne Moore plays a wife who refuses to let her husband go alone. She can see. Um, to me, it just to me it just reeks of that you know in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is king. You yeah. know, let's try and take this and make a movie out of that. But still, it, it sounds like Children of Men for blind for mm-hmm. with blind people, with blind being the affliction as opposed to ster- sterility. Yeah, yeah. it thirty eight percent at Rotten Tomatoes with eight out reviews of how many counted. Reviews? Eight reviews counted. Three fresh. So how many? How many? Three fresh, five rotten. Yeah, and it's certainly. I mean, look, reviews are the. Hallmark of a, of a great flick. But. What? <laughs> I have to say that I'm a fucking filmmaker. <laughs> He's putting us out of a job, guys. No, I totally. um, but we'll see what happens there. I, I remember hearing that the buzz on it wasn't that. Was yeah, not, but I like concept. Concept sounds good to me. Yeah, and then coming out on DVD over the next couple of weeks, the uh, Margaret's biggest yeah. pick this week, um, Sex in the City, mm-hmm. which yeah. she loved. Were I, you I, a big fan, Margaret? Yeah, it was good. I like the series. I'm a huge fan of the show. Huge, huge fan of the show. And I felt like the movie was totally watchable. I've seen it twice. I saw it theatrically, and then I watched it uh, on an in-room movie just last week. But I felt like it was not even as good as the weakest episode of that show. Oh, really? So you didn't think the movie lived up to the series? No, but it was weird. As a critic, I wouldn't know how to review it, especially if I had to use a number or a thumb system. But I felt like, as a fan of the show... I was able to get through it, even though it was over two hours. But as a fan of the show, I was I felt it was fair to say that it wasn't very strong comparative comparatively. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I thought that taking those char- those characters from 
point A back to point A was kind of weak. Like they had to contrive something to split Carrie and Big apart again, and mm-hmm. that felt weird to me. And, and that was you know, pretty forced, though, too, because you're like, okay, the movie either needs to slow down, you know, or something's going on, and then finally you have that kind of the breakup going on. Then it, to me, then it felt more like, okay, this is back to the old groove again. But then they, they, I mean, they've totally fucked over Steve, one of my favorite characters. Yeah. yeah. I love Steve By and making Aiden. him cheat on Miranda. Like, mm-hmm. Steve would never do that. That just, I know. And, and the That's way why he felt like, so bad. And the, and the way it was revealed in the movie, too, was just so, like, you know, she's sitting there talking about something. He's like, I, I cheated it, on you. And you're like, come on. This, I this thought he was having Steve. a stroke or something. Totally. He looked that nervous. <laughs> but I, as I said, like, I, I watched, I, I I think it's watchable because I've watched it twice, but both times I was just like, "This isn't nearly as good as the show was." I hadn't thought about comparing it to the the series. I just I kind of enjoyed it. Right, right, right. Well, I I, mean, I was not unhappy when I left the theater in terms of like I want my money back, but I was just I I expected more. I guess my expectation was higher. Oh. But you know what? I've been at the receiving of the end of that meant shit many times. So fuck it. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> many I'm looking- times I've been told like, "Oh, I thought it was gonna be better because it's you." Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I may have to watch Sex in the City. Uh, we'll see what I think. I, I'm not familiar with the series at all. Seen anything? I'm not seen if any you're not of it. Familiar with the show? I'm, I'm so curious how somebody who is a show virgin would take to that movie. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't know. I think it might actually work in his favor because he might be like, "Wow, it's like a, a chick movie where they curse like men," but they've been doing it on the show, mm-hmm. you know, for years and years and years. The draw of that show to me was always like, "Wow, this is the female version of what I do," <laughs> <laughs> um, except it's way more successful. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'd be curious to see how somebody who wasn't in, involved in the show, or, you know, and watch the show on a regular basis would enjoy that flick I don't feel like it's an impenetrable flick by any stretch of the imagination they did a good job of setting up something for people who are unfamiliar with it i.e. every dude that had to accompany his chick to see that movie Um, (laughs) and the rare exceptions like myself who who were religious about the show anyway but uh, you should watch it just for the experiment of it all I'll have to check it out especially at home in the comfort of your own home yeah where I don't have to like be seen (laughs) the only way nobody will see you watching it and then mock your your manhood and your masculinity I I dug that show I thought it did a really nice job I thought Michael Patrick King the guy behind Mm -hmm. it you know Darren Starr created it but Michael Patrick King kind of really defined that show and I thought he did a really nice job well and there has been confirmation that they're going to be doing a sequel to it I mean rightfully fucking so uh, <laughs> but the next one is, is less contrived I think hopefully they don't feel the need to like split up carrying big yet again I, I've got two words for you John Corbett that, yeah, you know what? I, but I would, and I'd be down for that. I'd totally see that movie. But what a betrayal of Carrie that would be oh, if she came know. back into the scene and showed, and she showed any interest because she just kind of used um, Aiden like a dish rag anyway. Yeah, she did. This is so bad. It was I, so I, painful. I, now you can't differentiate between Margaret and myself. <laughs> I love it. I, but I do dig that show very much. I was a huge Sex on the City fag, if you will. Um, also coming out on DVD this week, uh, Deception, which I didn't get to see in theaters, even though I got to talk with uh, Marcel Langenegger back when the movie hit theaters. I was really excited which about it. Which one was that? This was the Ewan McGregor, Hugh Jackman sex Oh, right, 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 right. Kind of, that was another movie that all of a sudden I saw at the TV spot, and they're like, starts tomorrow. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it really came out of the blue. I think that's part of why I got to talk with uh, Langenegger about it was that they hadn't done... Nobody you know, else knew. Huge promotion for it, so uh, he was really he got me excited about wanting to see it, but then I didn't just the schedule didn't permit it. So I'm kind of excited about that coming out on DVD, and uh, just throw this one in for Tim Boston Legal Season Four hits yes. DVD this week as oh, well. And Leatherheads, and Leatherheads, which I still want to see. 
Um, the following Fox week, legal is the spinoff from the practice, right? Correct. Yes, correct. The Shatner, um, James Spader. James Spader, and now James which is Spader. a great it's like James series. Spader came into the practice of, like a season or two after it began, and all of a sudden they were like, "Fuck it, let's follow this dude and Shatner." It's yeah. a it's a good series though. I I really enjoy it when I get to watch it. It's David Kelly, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty f- damn start strong. And tell him a story creating characters that you actually want to tune in to see. The following week, Iron Man comes out, um, which, you know, yeah. pick your flavor. It's a single-disc edition. It's a two-disc edition. It's a Blu-ray edition. I'm all over that fucking Blu-ray. Son. Absolutely. I cannot wait. Yes. Absolutely. That's, Gotta have the Blu-ray. That's what's been pushing me to pick up a Blu-ray player is Iron Man right on the horizon there. So. I am a recent Blu-ray convert. I remember when it came out, I'm like, ugh, I already have too many of the other DVDs to give a shit. Oh, I, then, um, I backed I, HD, so. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't even get involved in the war, man. I was <laughs> I could care less. And then I finally watched the Blu-ray disc and, and was absolutely blown away. Yeah. Cool. What was the first movie you watched on Blu-ray? Batman Begins. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. And that's a really nice movie to pop in. Plus, it's on that DVD, on the Blu-ray disc of Batman Begins, they had like the six, eight-minute opening of oh, yeah, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Oh, oh really? God, it looks stunning on the fucking uh. big TV. Boy, I, that that's enough to make me pick that up right now. Yeah. Anyway, I, I keep saying I want to go see Dark Knight again. I want to go see Dark Knight again. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you, you should go soon, man. Because where was it this week? It's not in the top five. It's number nine. Was it number Margaret? Yeah. Margaret, yeah. Margaret's job that, is to keep baby. an eye on that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's still brought in almost three million this week. So yeah. Um, and then the same week as Iron Man, Forgetting Sarah Marshall comes out, which is one of my favorite comedies of the year as oh, well. Oh, I'm with you, dude. I didn't see it in theaters because we were off making our picture, but I caught up with it on, uh, I watched it on a Sunday morning in a hotel room mm-hmm. on the in-room movie service and watched it and, and it was a wake and bake morning, so I was very stoned when I watched it. <laughs> when it was over, I just started again. I, I See, you really can't laugh. differentiate between me and Kevin now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a wake and baker, Margaret? I wish. Oh. <laughs> no, I have to go to work. <laughs> yeah, oh man, this day I did not have to, and, and let's be honest, most days I don't have to. So I, I, I totally indulged for this flick, oh. man. It was, and I've That's why you liked it. I did. No, I totally I, you know, like anything. No, you don't have to be stoned to enjoy this movie. It's it no, really I, is. Yeah, I, I've watched it straight too, and it's still fucking fun. Yeah, Jason Siegel is fantastic in it. But you're um, really having Doritos for breakfast. Up, what's, what's that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, but you're really having Doritos for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was. Um, what's it? What's it? Russell Brand was funny. I thought oh God, uh, he was Paul hilarious. Rudd was hysterical. Yeah. This, He's great. My favorite. I didn't recognize Paul Rudd. Like I watched the movie. It wasn't until I came home and checked IMDb just to go, okay, who did I miss? Really? Went, oh my god, that was Paul Rudd. I don't know what was wrong with me because it's so obvious. Once I yeah. knew, it was like I don't know what was. That this. has my favorite line in a movie this year of of everything and any movie I've ever seen this year. That my favorite line, which was paul red sitting on a surfboard out in the in the ocean with with uh jason siegel and he's like when life gives you lemons you say fuck the lemons and bail that's right. <laughs> that's right. I thought that shit was genius i was like that is hysterical and his delivery is pitch perfect uh, that made me laugh so hard and of course you know jason siegel's working on a muppet movie yeah and you yes, get kind of a you get a preview a of this and this yeah then we get to the end of forgetting sarah marshall yeah so you get a little preview of what him and puppetry kind of looks like in this, and it's cool. I mean, it oh, really yeah. is. I had, I mean, he does his little drunken version of the Muppet Show theme in it, right, too, which right. was cool. So, 
So anyway, those are kind of the highlights on DVD over the next couple of weeks. Oh, and a, and a director's cut of Daredevil coming out on high fi- on high def. High def. <laughs> well, we got to plug that because Kev's in the movie, you know. <laughs> Blu-ray, Blu-ray. Yes, I'm I'm totally in that picture. That, that's right. That's right. I get to see me. I you know I did already see me in a Blu-ray movie. I watched uh, Live Free or Die Hard, and then they also put um, Dogma and what was the other picture? It's on Blu-ray of ours. Jay and Silent um, Bob. Jay and Bob. That's right. Is that weird? Uh, the first one I wanted to see because I knew I would look good in it. <laughs> in terms of the Blu-ray content with Live Free or Die Hard. That's right. Popping in mind for Blu-ray, I was just like, this movie doesn't deserve Blu-ray treatment. But Live Free or Die Hard was a visually sumptuous movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, turning our eye to movie news. One of the most interesting stories this week is that apparently anyone in Hollywood can get rejection. Uh, Universal has turned down... A submitted budget by Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson for their uh, Tintin movie. They submitted a, a $130 million budget. Um, That's because Peter Jackson needs to be working on The Hobbit. Yeah, he well, needs to be busy. I watched Fellowship of the Ring again this morning. <laughs> and it was like, no, Peter Jackson needs He's to be on He's just producing that. The Hobbit. But they, uh, uh, they submitted this no. budget and Universal said no. I mean, but that's a non-story because then Paramount ten minutes later said yes. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah. it's it, like at first, I remember when that story broke. It was like, what? Somebody said no to Spielberg, but he immediately got his yes within twenty-four hours. Which is kind of interesting because he had just finished kind of separating from Paramount with DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I'm taking my company and we're going to go elsewhere. Oh, by the way, would you give me one hundred and thirty million dollars? Like, sure. And, and, and they were like, yeah, go ahead. Here you go. Bygones be bygones. <laughs> yeah. Proof in the pudding. I meaning anybody will work with Steven Spielberg. Which, Anybody will step on their own mother's neck to work with Steven Spielberg. Yeah, which makes me wonder Universal. what's going on at Universal. You know that they would say maybe no. they just ran the numbers and they were like Tintin is a tough project, man, because you have to sell an American audience on it. Yeah. Overseas, it's they're built in. The French, the British, all of Europe loves those Tintin books, translated into multiple languages. Hmm. But domestically. You know, when we think of comic book movies, we think of Batman, Iron Man. Tintin is like barely even makes the list in terms of like comic book adaptations that a comic book audience is chomping at the bit for. So I think they've got a bunch of work ahead of them domestically, but I don't think it matters. I think Paramount ran those numbers for foreign. They're like, fuck it, it's gonna it's gonna earn. So let's do it. Yeah. I agree. Um, I just I think it's a bad move on Universal's part, but yeah. I'm sure they have their reason. I and mean, I agree, Tintin is going to be a tough sale, especially. I mean, they're they're saying, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do 3D animation, and they want to do three pictures because right. it's Spielberg behind one, Jackson behind one, and then they're, like they're I don't remember what they're doing for the third one. Um, I want to say it was a, a collaboration for the third one, but they, they, they want to do it as a trilogy. And you're saying right now, here's a, uh, someone that the audiences don't know. Well, as long as it's not Ratner, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, taking a look at um, some new news on the Green Hornet front. Uh, sorry, Kevin, not to bring up a sensitive subject. <laughs> oh, take that beak from out my heart. No, this, this, this does not bother me. This excites me. Uh, looks like uh, Stephen Chow is looking at, at coming on board Green Hornet. That uh, Perfect choice. Yeah, perfect Absolute choice. Perfect choice. Perfect choice to play Cato. Perfect choice to direct that movie. Yeah. Now, now you worked on, and I know you you worked on a draft of Green Hornet at one point. You were attached to to be interested in it. You were attached to to work on it, and then now Rogan. Yeah, two thousand and four. I got the job when it was um, going to be a Miramax film, and I was going to write and direct. Right. And then in the midst of writing it, I was just like, I'm not talented enough to make a movie like this yet, <laughs> and shied away from doing it. And it took a shit ton of fucking criticism for it on the net people being like you fucking chicken i'm like look man i'm just i know i'm gonna make a bad movie so why am i gonna even bother yeah i'll just write it instead and also we were working on a version that like had to honor the 
comic book to the T. It had to be a masked Avenger crime fighter movie, very straightforward, very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth's version gets to be very tongue-in-cheek and, and comedic as well. Well, and that's so what I, I was going to ask. Is, is I don't know if you've talked with, with Rogan about this, because I know you, know you did a movie together and have done tons of publicity together, but is he going with a straightforward movie, or is this more of a comedic side to it? I mean, is this more of a comedy? Tale? I mean, it's, it's not... It's not um, what was the, the recent superhero movie? Like you know the uh, parody film. Oh yeah, superhero movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's certainly not that by any stretch of the imagination, but it's more along the lines from what he's talked about it. Um, of Pineapple Express, there are lots of jokes and there's lots of action. Cool, nice. Like Pineapple Express seemed to be like a great trial run for for Green Hornet. In fact, that's what one led to the other when they saw what those dudes can accomplish with with uh, Pineapple. Cool. Well, I'm excited about Stephen Chow coming on board. This is his first uh, American movie that'll make yeah, this his first yeah, American right. picture. Um, and if you don't, if you're not familiar with the name, Kung Fu Hustle, Shaolin Go Soccer, CJ uh, CJ Seven, which just came out on DVD a couple of weeks ago, um, all really good movies. Yeah. So see Kung Fu Hustle alone, and you'll see why this dude's a great choice. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah if you had to pick one of the three, Kung yeah, Fu Hustle is the Kung one to go for. I, I just I've I'll, never seen that. Uh, it's on the shelf. Borrow okay. it and grab it on I'll your way out. In the Rafe box. It is hilarious. Um, also talking about Seth Rogen, uh, Ray Liotta has signed on to appear in a picture opposite Rogen. Uh, movie's name is Observe and Report, which puts... Oh, that's done. They're finished. Oh, is it? No. Oh, yeah, they're done. They've, they made that movie right after, um, right after we wrapped Zach and Mira, I think Seth had about three or four weeks off, and then they went out to, to, um... Um, where were they? New Mexico? Yeah. Albuquerque. Um, to shoot that flick. So that's been done for a while now. Interesting, because it's just yeah. now kind of coming out that he's playing opposite yeah, he's, him. Yeah, he's the, he's the guy. Yeah, so Leota, Rogan plays a mall cop, and uh, Leota plays a real cop. Uh, a, a real cop, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the jokes kind of write the, themselves what, what at that point. What was the Leota movie we were talking about? It was an unlawful entry? Uh, the one we were talking about earlier, yeah, yeah. Un- unlawful. The unlawful the, the one that Samuel L. Jackson pretty much remade, yeah, unlawful yeah. entry. Love that movie. Yeah, that's a fun flick. So that's what's his name? Is it Mostow? Um, yeah, I think so. I think I, so. I, I like that the movies that dude makes. I like the T three movie. I like I like a lot of the stuff he does. If it is indeed him, we may be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember Mostow being the unlawful entry guy. Um, yeah, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Let me see. Part of the show, it slows down as we all get the internet to look, <laughs> confirm our information. Uh, no, Jonathan. That's Kaplan. why when we do smodcast, we don't even bother because we're like it's more entertaining for wrong. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Kaplan was behind. Kaplan, Unlawful that's entry. it. Yeah. I knew it was a Jonathan. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> that's close. My only saving grace. I'm like, it is a Jonathan, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not the guy that did T3. What else did Jonathan Kaplan do? Um, let's see. Um. He's done some television, a lot of television lately, without a trace, Law and Order, uh, ER, a lot of television. Um, Bad Girls. <laughs> the Western? Uh, yeah. Wow. Which also had what's-her-name in it. Um, yeah. She was in Unlawful Entry. Madeline Stowe, correct? Yeah, yeah Madeline Stowe. And then... Uh, um, I can't believe anybody even remembers who was in that. <laughs> what, that girl? I'm like, there was, was like was, the long-haired girl. Andy McDowell, and then Madeline there was the Stowe, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. It was the chick oh version of You're missing uh, one. You, you got I three out of the four. I got three. Um, She's got to be a redhead. Right? I can't remember the four. <laughs> Mary Stewart Masters. Oh, wow. Was that who it was? Yeah. Andy McDowell, yeah. Madeline Stowe, Drew Barrymore, and Mary Stewart Masterson? Yep. Wow. 
<laughs> what an odd what, mix. What was, the, what was the boy movie version? Young, young guns. guns and Young Guns yeah. 2. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> this one I know. <laughs> um, it, it, Kevin, you've seen Watchmen. Um, yes. What do you think about the lawsuit that's going on? Oh, I think it's smoke and mirrors, and I think it's it'll be long settled before they even hit theaters. I bet you that's something that kind of is a nuisance suit that remains until theatrical distribution. But mm-hmm. I, I don't, and, and maybe Warner Brothers settles. I doubt it. But I, I think Warner Brothers seems to be in the right on this one. Yeah. Um, I, it feels like maybe Fox had a bad summer, and they're like. Fuck, we gotta get something. And they're like, hey man, we could have had Watchmen. They're like, fuck it, Watchmen's ours. <laughs> it, it, it feels like a real Hal Mary attempt at getting their name on that movie. And I, I, I to think me, it belongs to Warner Brothers. To me, it also seems that that Fox is really endangering their own reputation with the fans, with you know, the, kind of that geek fan base that's looking forward to Watchmen. Is because if they mm-hmm. if they manage to do what they want to do, you know, the fans are going to be pissed. Yeah, I think yeah, it's an yeah. issue. They should have come up with this before. It was having trailers out and th- like you know back when when they heard that it was first happening they should have decided this not now that it looks like it's going to be successful right. and there's a good following for it. Right. But I think that was the point. Like to be fair, I believe there were some early rumblings while they were in production that Fox wanted a piece of it. Yeah, there they were. They were entitled, and then it got louder in post. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, Alan Moore, creator of The Watchmen, and just absolutely crazy lunatic <laughs> that he is, as genius as he is, uh, has had some wonderful comments to say about the movie. Of course, Moore is so open-minded about the adaptations of his movies that he signs off all his all his, like, he doesn't even make any money off of it. Like, yeah, in this case, he, he signed the money over to Gibbons, who was the artist behind Watchmen. And Gibbons has been really open to the movie and is really excited I bet Gibbons is okay with that, yeah. But Alan Moore, and so... Moore says, uh, there are these legal problems now which I find wonderfully ironic. Perhaps it's been cursed from afar from England, and I can tell you I will be spitting venom all over it for months to come. <laughs> God bless Alan Moore. He's consistent. <laughs> oh, it you gets know, better. He's consistently genius in his writing, and he's consistent in his opinions. The yeah. dude, a get- dollar means nothing to Alan Moore. It's all about you know his integrity and... And and what he feels is right, and he never felt like anybody should have been adapting that. Yeah, it gets better. He goes, uh, it says, if we are all freshly hatched birds looking up with our mouths open waiting for Hollywood to feed us more regurgitated worms, the Watchmen film sounds like more regurgitated worms. I, for one, am sick of worms. Can't we get something else? Perhaps some takeout? Even Chinese worms would be a nice change. Wow. <laughs> Good wow. So I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I certainly, I, Lord knows, nobody can speak for Alan Moore, but I think if he gave it a chance, he'd be surprised at, at how what an honest and true adaptation it is. But maybe his point is, it can be insanely honest and true. Why bother? It's been done. Move on. But I, I don't know. I think it was worth doing, and, and having seen it, it was definitely worth doing. And I, I think that's my only disappointment with it is, you know, by all means, he's entitled to his opinion, and I love that film is subjective, and we can all have a, an opinion about it. But the fact that he's not even willing to give it a, cho- a chance... But at least, and that's where the consistency comes in. At least he's treating this movie the same way he treated From Hell, the same way he treated um, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And he frankly, after that movie, him. I'd have the opinion that he has too. You know, after yeah, totally. <laughs> oh. I mean, he's been burned multiple times, so yeah. why should he care? But he never cared. I mean, to his credit, he never cared in the first place. He was never 
tempted by the lure of, of cinema. He was, you know, he's like, look, this movie, this story wasn't meant to be a movie. It's 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 done within a genre where you can use the genre to tell the story effectively. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think they did an insane job, an insanely amazing job at, pulling, at bringing it to life, Zack Snyder and co. So maybe he'll give it a shot somewhere down the road. But he says he's going to be spitting bile for months, so... I guess we'll get to see more of that as it comes along. More, more worm analogies and whatnot. Well, if you, if you want really entertaining, um, Patrick Wilson, who plays Night Owl, has been doing some press for Watchmen. He, he's already talked about. He thinks he agrees with what Kevin's saying about uh, the movie's going to come out. You know, he really fully expects there's not going to be anything that keeps it from hap- from coming out. But he also said that there is, of course, as always, studio interest in following it up with. Another movie. Oh. Uh, in fact, he says his contract is for uh, is for a sequel. Uh, but he, that I he mean, would... let's be honest. If that movie makes, <laughs> if that movie did Dark Knight business, you'd be damn skippy to be talking about a sequel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even though the book is over, even though they've done the entire book, and we've never seen those characters carried on beyond those twelve issues. Right. Um, it would be well. I mean, I guess unless you count the issue of the question, where the question was looking at a copy of Watchmen. Oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, because you know the question, uh, the character of the question of Rorschach in, in in Watchmen is based on the question, the Steve Ditko character. So they did one panel and or a few panels in the um, in a run of the question that's going back about ten, fifteen years ago. Where at one point he's looking at the Watchmen comic, kind of ironically. But beyond that, that is splitting hairs. That's me being an utter geek. That's me <laughs> speaking in such a way that if I was single and trying to get laid, I just ruined my chances. <laughs> but uh, but but that's it. They've only been those twelve issues. So to do a sequel, I think, would be folly. But you know, they're going to think about it if the movie makes that much. Well, if they oh, didn't yeah. have any idea, they do now. They've yeah. got something to go off of. Well, which <laughs> right, right. Wilson's comment was that artistically, I can't fathom how it would happen. But if Alan Moore writes it, I'd love I'd love to read it. Yeah, because right. Alan Moore is going to do a comic right, so like, that they. Can do a movie solid. sequel. <laughs> yeah, do this a solid. I know you hated this, but can you come up with an idea for a sequel? <laughs> I don't know that it'll happen. Here's my prediction for Watchmen. It feels to me like like uh, Pulp Fiction to some degree, in as much as when Pulp Fiction came out, um, the audience knew that knew the genre that it was within and knew it very well: crime thriller, crime drama. And here was a movie, a crime thriller, crime drama that kind of spun the genre on its head. And with Watchmen, what you have is a genre that everybody is very familiar with now, i.e. the comic book superhero movie, the Masked Avenger movie. And it does the same thing for that genre that Pulp Fiction did for its genre. And I feel like um, there are those of us, of course, who are definitely going to go see it because we're mired in the genres. We, we love comics. We love the Watchmen. We love what Zack Snyder did with 300. Um, but then I think, mm-hmm. like, outside of us, outside of the Internet audience, there's a bunch of people you know, across the world who are just not insanely geek savvy mm-hmm. who are going to have to be pre-sold on this movie and I think they're going to get those cats to turn out because it does have that weird Pulp Fiction-like feel of like, you have to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. It becomes this movie that people who aren't necessarily into the genre are going to be saying like, I've heard this movie is something else and we got to check it out and they're going to see it because at first because it looks familiar like a comic book movie but they're going to be delighted to find out that it spins that genre on its head a bit. Yeah. No, and I, I, I think it's going to be. I, I think the March release date is kind of an interesting choice, but I think it's going to end up. I think it's going to be. Huge. I think it's a great yeah. choice because they're by themselves. They need all the help they can get in terms of like they're starting from scratch with a, with a with a um, a concept that many of us are familiar with, but we won't drive the box office that they need. Right. 
Um, so they've got to reach a bunch of people, and thank God they're not in the crowded summer place, you know, in the summer uh, summer uh, box office. Um, right now they've got March to themselves. I mean, what else is going to po- possibly happen in March that could de- derail that movie from doing what it should do? Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, you talking about movies you take your kid to. Did you see Kung Fu Panda? Of course, opening day. Cool. Awesome cool movie. Since its success at the box office, uh, a lot of people have been. There's been talk of a rumor, and I mean, a talk of a sequel. Right. right. Talking here, uh, there's been talk of a sequel, and I haven't been crazy about that. Um, I like the idea of the movie. I loved the movie. I mean, it's still one of my favorite movies of the year. But the idea of a sequel just didn't necessarily jive with me. And now they're saying it's probably not going to happen. Oh, really? Um, there's a direct to DVD sequel coming along it's kind of packaged on board of the dvd so right. like you buy the dvd you get a kind of sequel my suspicion is it's not a full-length sequel it's more like you know when you get a pixar film you get that mm-hmm. short that kind of extends yeah. the movie a little bit there is a a directed dvd sequel called secrets of the furious five mm-hmm. um but and then they did bring back dustin hoffman and jack black to voice but as far as a theatrical follow-up that right now it looks like all that talk is dead wow which is, as I said before, cool by me. Maybe, for, I mean, uh, for their bottom line, it may not be for the best, because Lord knows I didn't like those Shrek sequels, but they made shit tons of money. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. So from a business perspective, maybe it's not smart, but from a storytelling fan perspective, I'm, I'm content with one pun- Kung Fu Panda movie. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think if the Secrets of the Five thing, it could be more like a documentary style, like trying to take itself seriously. Uh, the, pre- right. the premise is... Um, Poe faces what may be his greatest challenge, trying to teach a class of young Kung Fu students. To gain the unruly group's attention, he leans on the one thing closest to his heart, his Kung Fu fanboy knowledge. Mm, they expands, that sounds like a short film to me. Yeah, expands yeah. on the stories of Monkey, Tigress, Mantis, Viper, and Crane as Poe relates how they unlocked important lessons to become truly excellent in the art and ideals of Kung Fu. Or maybe not. If he's doing a each one of those characters' story, you're talking about a 10 or 15 minute. Yeah. It could be feature length, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It might be overly be moral of the story, though. Not going to affect me one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either I'm going to be taking my kid to see it in the theater or we're going to be watching on DVD. <laughs> one or the other. Um, Will Ferrell has promised to stop doing sports movies. <laughs> <laughs> really? He came out and said that? Yes, he did. He, uh, you know, after he's done, four, what, four? It feels like four million. He's done race car driving. He's done ice skating. He's done basketball. What's the other one? Soccer. Soccer. Oh, my God. Right? I forgot the soccer movie. <laughs> and uh, he, he told USA on Today. Nicky, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he told USA Today, I will no longer attempt to do any sports movies anymore. Any sports. I'm retired from sports genre films. I think I really filled my quota. <laughs> God, that means we won't see the Wolf. Feral hockey movie, which is the one I was waiting. I for. was just thinking that we could get a little uh, Happy Gilmore action, throwing golf and hockey all in one, and Will Ferrell. Oh, Will Ferrell punching dudes, slugging dudes on the ice. I'd, I'd yeah. see that movie. <laughs> and Bob Barker. Yeah. Uh, He's got some free time on his hands now. And then we, we talked real quick about. Uh, I said earlier about about the spirit, and we're running out of time, so we're not going to talk about it as much. But some new images have come out for the spirit. And those two what, posters are nice. Yes, yeah, but some new stills as well. Not just those; those posters are nice, and these stills are nice. So, what is it about this movie that looks good still, but not so good in motion? I don't know. For apparently, but um, the online opinion seems to be that when they tipped their hand at Comic Con, a lot of people were kind of not wowed by what they saw. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm there. I mean, people are like, oh, it just looks like Sin City. And I'm like, all right, well, so be it. I'm there. I mean, I was never a big fan of the character. Um, I know that's kind of sacrilegious to say as a comic book fan, but I, I was <laughs> never a big spirit guy. But I don't know. Frank Miller's involvement makes me want to see it. And those posters particularly, I think, have done a really effective job of making me want to see it. I don't know what that translates to for the mainstream but Sin City did really well so why wouldn't this do well just based on appearances alone but I think you've got the same thing going here that you were talking about earlier is this is not a character that's really mainstream it, it, well it, right. as a comic has, as a comic book geek you know you're expected to know it but if you're not a comic book geek it, it limited appeal yeah well one of the reasons that made it so easy for me to walk away from the Green Hornet movie years ago was knowing that the core audience for that movie was 80 years old. (laughs) It was a a radio show, first and foremost, and that's where it had its biggest audience. The TV show lasted barely a season and wasn't that popular. Um, Certainly not popular enough to get picked up for another season. And the rest of the time, the character's been done in comic books. So, yeah, there were some black and white shorts back in the day, but generally most people know Green Hornet from, from the radio, from the old radio show. And you can't hope that that audience is going to come out and support the Green Hornet. So that's one of the reasons why I find it kind of easy to, found it easy to walk away from it. If you're going to make a $70, $80 million movie, you kind of want some kind of pre-sell to it, like a Batman or a, a Spider-Man. Um, so that's, that's what makes me a little worried for the spirit. But, you know, I think they've got enough of that. For the mainstream audience who doesn't care about the new show of, like, who created the spirit? How long has this character been around? And is he DC or Marvel? For the audience that just wants to go see a movie on a Friday night and isn't into geek culture, I think if they see a trailer that looks like Sin City and says from the director of Sin City, they might be inclined to go. Sam Jackson, too, obviously can still open a movie, as we saw this weekend. That's right. Oh, yeah. Good point. Kevin, I hate to cut you off, but we got to go. We've hit our hour mark, so uh, uh, we it's greatly... It's so tremendous, because I've been pinching my, my ring piece for about 10 minutes. I have to take <laughs> shit so badly. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to miss anything. At one point, I was going to bring you guys to the bathroom. I was like, that is so uncouth. I'll, <laughs> I'll hold. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you'll come back and uh, sit in with us again at some time. And, Anytime, uh, sir. It's always fun to talk about movies. Good luck with... Uh, Zach and Mary. Gracias, gracias. All right, Margaret, Tim. Margaret, Tim, thank you so much for hosting. Thank you, thank sir. You. It's been a true honor. <laughs> All right, uh, that does it for us this week. We will be off next week, but we will return in two weeks' time. Weekly Blend Audio Show is produced by Angry Cat Productions. Rawr. Copyright is 2008, held by Cinema Blend and Angry Cat Productions. Wait, one, more thing. one more thing, dude. One more thing for Kevin. Tell them where they can go see you in Biloxi Blues. Oh, yeah, Showtimers Theater in Roanoke, Virginia. I'll be at Biloxi Blues one more weekend. There it is, dude. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you next week.